You are listening to the Ebony Covering Black America Podcast Network, presented by Walmart. After very careful review and consideration, I have made a decision as to my nominee to fill the vacancy on the United States Supreme Court created by the resignation of Justice Stewart. What you are hearing is the historic recording of President Ronald Reagan back in August of 1981 when he was fulfilling a campaign promise he made to nominate to the Supreme Court the first woman, Sandra Day O'Connor. As the press has accurately pointed out, during my campaign for the presidency, I made a commitment that one of my first appointments to the Supreme Court vacancy would be the most qualified woman that I could possibly find. Now, this is not to say that I would appoint a woman merely to do so. That would not be fair to women, nor to future generations of all Americans whose lives are so deeply affected by decisions of the court. Rather, One of the podcasts that has always inspired me as a podcast producer is This American Life. I like to kind of think of this show as the This American Life of black urban culture by a nerdy black man who's reconnecting with his blackness. <laughs> That's quite a mouthful. Anyway, uh, one of the aspects of This American Life is that uh, Ira Glass uh, will usually introduce the show and then the different segments of the show are produced by other producers who record their pieces and I like to think of Dungeons and Durags as one of the shows that can kind of like experiment with that and a few weeks ago there was all this hullabaloo over Biden um, making a note to keep one of his campaign promises to nominate to the Supreme Court the first black woman and oh my gosh did the right wing movement lose their collective shit over this and let's be real specifically because she was black I commend her to you, and I urge the Senate's swift bipartisan confirmation so that as soon as possible, she may take her seat on the court and her place in history. Today on the show, our uh, dear sister Yolanda T. Cochran is going to take the wheel and be the primary producer of this episode. It was a topic that was very near and dear to her heart, and she, JD, and I were having some good discussion on our uh, Slack channel about this whole topic and everything that was going on. And I said, we should make this an episode. And Yolanda is going to uh, do most of the driving of this. So with that, uh, let's go into Act 1, where we'll hear Yolanda, JD, and I introducing this uh, very interesting conversation and taking it away. Here we go. So we're talking today about the controversy, in quotes, Mm -hmm. related to President Joseph R. Biden promising during his campaign that he was going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. Mm Mm-hmm. Which now there is an opening mm-hmm. with the of Justice Breyer. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm keeping my campaign promise. 
and I am going to nominate a black woman, Mm -hmm. which has turned into a controversy because, oh my God, he shouldn't have narrowed it down. It should just be someone who's qualified. Was it, was there no controversy when he made the campaign promise? I mean, I don't remember. Uh, you know, I don't really. Recall. I don't think they really made anything of it. Surprisingly, of course, he had to win the election, so it right. might have been a moot argue over right. the win. So. At no. the time, there probably wasn't any idea that there would be an opening anyway. Right. Well, and the whole thing was they had their plan to steal the election anyway. Right. They, they had more. Mr. Fry at that point. Right. As we are more and more about during the January 6th insurrection investigation. Yeah, but it's actually a good point, actually, because um, I recall him making that statement, alluding to it, Mm -hmm. but like they, whatever reason, I, I don't know. You know, probably what lent to it not getting such a big deal is we have to recall the campaign time frame mm-hmm. when had the two candidates, you know, July officially mm-hmm. you know, convention happens from July ish, late July, August, beginning of August to November was during a pandemic. I think Joe Biden won because we had a pandemic. If we had not had a pandemic, he would have lost. Why do you say because, that? Well, here's the thing. They didn't have debates. Mm-hmm. They didn't. There was a. There was nothing about the campaign. Was how campaigns usually happen during the presidential time frame. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They, did they actually have one? Did they have one? No, he refused. Did he? Did they have one debate? I can't remember. They had a debate. Oh, oh yeah, they did because they Trump showed up with yeah. COVID. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> they had the one debate. And got yeah. clowned. Everybody whooped. Or he lost yes, the debate and then and he, he refused yeah. to debate again. There was no right. debating happening. There was not all of those like visceral things that end up happening, you know, during those. Like, think about the debates during the, you know, um, Trump and Clinton. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was all this, right. you know, and everybody was still like at home, and people, people made a huge effort to not go to the polls in person. There was a huge vote by mail, all of these things. So there was a lot of, even the news coverage, they couldn't cover it very much because there weren't even mm-hmm. campaigning in person, like right. as of COVID. <laughs> right. And so the news coverage of it was so different. They didn't, there weren't things for them to latch onto like normal. Mm-hmm. I think that lent to him winning. And I think probably this issue may have been part of what got lost. Right. Because when he said it, I don't I don't think he said it in the first debate. Mm-hmm. If he said it at some other random, like, oh, you know, we're having a small press thing and you guys stand way far away from me and mm-hmm. I'm going to say a few things and then I'm going to introduce a couple other people and then we're all going to go away and we're going to make sure we're not getting any close to each other because we don't want to get COVID. Right. Like that gets lost. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. So anyway, now that here we are, it's a controversy. I actually honestly am really happy that um, he's like, yeah, I'm keeping my promise. Mm-hmm. I, I don't 
all this chitter chatter. Screw it. Mitch McConnell put somebody mm -hmm. the Supreme Court after tens of millions of people had cast their ballot in a presidential election. Mm -hmm. With I mean, we were less than a month from at the time. Like Ruth K Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, I think, in October. The beginning of October or something like that. Of what, the year that she died? Yes. Yeah, of that election year. Did she die during an election year? Yeah. Dude, that's why people had cast their votes. People, like, it was like something like 60 to 70 million people had cast their ballots in the presidential election. This is a Fox News alert. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died at the age of 87. The pioneer of women's rights and gender equality. President Trump may have the opportunity to nominate a third person. When we come back from the break, we're going to get into the specific discussion that J.D., Yolanda, and I had that sparked this whole thing, which was a tweet about what should have been the best strategy Biden should have taken with regards to his announcement. Uh, we'll get to that right after this break. That night, McConnell reached the president on Air Force One. McConnell told him two things. He said, first, I'm going to put out a statement that says we're going to fill the vacancy. Second, he said, you've got to nominate Amy Coney Barrett. Welcome back. Let's get to the conversation that J.D. Yolanda and I had that specifically started this whole thing with regards to the strategy that Biden should have taken that J.D. and I were proposing and uh, Yolanda's uh, reaction to that. I mean, it was, from what I call it, it was a shorter amount of time between her from her death and his election than when Garland... Yes, that was 11 months. Right. So, I mean, Nine before the election, so this ta this talk about, oh, you can't say it's a black, you can't narrow it and say you're going to put a black. Mitch McConnell would do whatever the hell he wants to do. Right. Period. So, so remember, I remember. Questions. Yeah, if he would do whatever. I remember, so one of the things that came up among the three of us I had posted a comment from Twitter. I don't remember who said it, but but someone had made the comment that Bill, um, Bill was it Bill Chris? Yes, that's who made the comment. Yes. Okay. The time. Huh? One is this thing on? Hello, McFly. I didn't hear you. You made that painfully clear. Can yeah. you confirm that it was Bill yeah, Crystal? Can you confirm? No one. No one's going to get that joke. Um, well, <laughs> go back to the Crabs and Barrel show. Go and show watch, for watch the intro. Yeah. Watch our promo for the show. And and not to be confused, I assume, with Billy Crystal. No. No one's going to get that confusion. Okay. No one's going to get that joke. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think so? I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Uh, so this Bill Crystal person made this 
comment that maybe what Biden should have done was not say, okay, we're going to pick whoever's the most qualified, but just go ahead and pick a black woman anyway. And mm-hmm. I remember, yo, you had a, I thought like that seemed like a sound strategy. Like avoid all the avoid all the hullabaloo and all the mm-hmm. all the mess. Did it? Other people did it. It wasn't huh? a problem. Reagan did the same thing. He did what? Said I'm going to put a woman on the court. But as you said, when you and I talked about it, the issue is that she's a black woman. And so, and even oh. Trump said he's going to put a woman on the court. So the issue was Biden saying he's going to put a black woman on the court. But, that, but, but their talking points are, you shouldn't be saying specifically any demographic. Sure, sure. That was his, that was, when you sent the Bill Crystal thing, it yeah. was, it shouldn't be specific to a demographic. Yeah, just say it. I mean, but just, my point yeah, is, your point is Joseph R. Biden, President mm-hmm. R. Biden, I put respect on his name, mm-hmm. is not the first person who's specified right. a demographic of that they're going to put on the court. Right. Tonight, as President Biden narrows down his pick for a Supreme Court nominee, some Republicans are taking aim at his pledge to appoint the first black woman to the bench. The fact that he's willing to make a promise at the outset that it must be a black woman, I gotta say that's offensive. It's actually an insult to black women. Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi comparing the president's pledge to affirmative action. The irony is that the Supreme Court is at the very same time hearing cases about uh, about this sort of affirmative racial <laughs> discrimination yes. and, 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 and while adding someone who is the beneficiary of, uh, of this sort of quota. But neither of those senators objected when former President Donald Trump announced he would pick a woman to succeed Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It will be a woman, a very talented, very brilliant woman. The problem is, he said he wants a black woman. And yes, I said to you the other day mm-hmm. that I'm going to put a woman, nobody would have cared. Right. You wouldn't have heard anything about it. Actually, probably would have. Oh, you still, still yeah, would have been like, oh, it just should just be somebody who's qualified. Right. From but, the right. They'll always but say some nonsense. There would have been shit. less, you know, discussion about putting a woman on the court than there is about it being a black so, woman. So for you personally, what's the issue you have with the strategy of just avoiding all of that mess, knowing that you're going to pick a black woman, but but say you're just going to pick whoever is the most qualified? My issue is, that's all fine and good. My issue is the double, triple standard. People find something to make a meal of why this is problematic. Right. What's wrong with, what's wrong with him wanting to put a black woman on the court? And, and if the answer to that is, well, oh, it it's just, just out of affirmative action. It, it should just, it, we shouldn't designate, you know, we shouldn't designate any, you know, demographic. It should, just should be someone who's qualified. Well, okay, that's fine. There's plenty of black women who are qualified to be on the court. And if there's never been any black women, and if he's looking for a representative court, there is nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to put a black woman on the court. 
Yeah, people are acting like he just rolled up to a bus stop and said, hey, sister gal, come yeah. here. You know how to speak English? Come on, I'm going to put you on the court. It's like she's like already a I'm district judge. I'm yeah. going to put a prostitute on the court. It's like she's already, that Republicans have already voted for. That's the thing. It's like people getting their panties all up in a bunch about it are these snowflake Republicans, mm -hmm. snowflake Republicans. They just find a nonsense to, to scream about, chirp about. There's plenty, plenty of qualified black women so really this is about having a problem with him having decided he wants to put a black woman on the court right why is it why is it a problem to put a black woman why let's put let's get down to it if we remove the qualification portion away all things they, being equal all things being say, equal oh, yeah. the problem with the saying is because we just should just be looking at it should be a blank slate and we should just be looking at qualified people so if we take the qualification part off of the table right we took for granted that the person's going to be qualified what then is the issue with putting in putting a black woman on the court let's take a pause for a moment and examine the essence of this so-called controversy what specifically is problematic about biden preemptively saying he would nominate a black woman to the bench to answer that i did a bit of searching on the opinions of which there was no shortage and one of the articles I came across was a January 31st article in Slate entitled, How Biden's Vow to Name a Black Woman to the Supreme Court Backfired. In it, the um, writer of this article, Miss Christina Cotarucci, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, writes, and I quote, when we get back from the break, we'll find out exactly what Miss Whatever that person's name is wrote. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back. Yolanda is now going to read that uh, excerpt from the Slate piece by Miss Gutterucci, or uh, however it's pronounced. Here you go. Biden's overly candid pledge was not bad because seeking a diverse Supreme Court is bad, but because it preemptively undersold his nominee. Wow. When I read that, I had to stop and take a pause myself. How does one undersell? What is the definition of underselling? How is underselling determined? To sell for less than the actual value. So my reading of this statement is that President Biden, by saying he was going to nominate a woman, he's automatically saying he's putting a person in who's lesser in value than the position to which she's being appointed. Is that what we're saying? Is that how he's underselling it? Because if so, that statement is racist on its face. Ms. Cotarucci goes on to write, as my colleagues Dahlia Lithwick and Mark Joseph Stern wrote last week, because conservatives will assume that anyone chosen in part for her gender, now let me emphasize, in part for her gender and race will not be the best candidate on the merits. Even before she has a name, Biden's nominee will be tarnished as lesser. 
Really? Really, Miss Carterucci? Lesser according to whom? White people? White men? Is that what we're saying? She further writes, what would have been the harm in Biden simply nominating a black woman for the court without the premature identity specific fanfare? What if he hadn't told everyone before he'd even picked her, indeed before he'd even been elected, that she'd only bested other black women for the role rather than the entire pool of possible nominees? Wouldn't she have been better served by the perception that Biden had also considered white men for the slot and found them wanting in comparison? Perception? I mean, I'm reading in here like what everyone wants or would have preferred is for Biden to play games with this as opposed to declaring his intent. Here's what I think. I think the point being made here and across this entire topic as is that the singular standard against which any individual is to be measured to determine the validity of their nomination is whiteness and maleness and they don't say it but also by this token heterosexuality and so those are the attributes that are always to be a part of the options for assessing who is appropriate for consideration and appointment. Not their legal education, not their experience in the law, and not their adjudication of the law. And to that, I say, Fuck I'm tired of having the discussion about, yeah. oh, let's play the, we need to, you know, do it civilly and we need to do it by the rules and we need to do it by you know tradition and all this stuff we're in a situation we're about to lose our democracy behind tradition and civility Mm -hmm. and all this bs we can't even get voting rights legislation through congress and guess what if if the if the situation were flip-flopped it would absolutely go through because mitch mcconnell would make sure it did Mm -hmm. so I'm, i'm tired of i'm tired of saying, oh, let's, Democrats have spent too many decades playing by the rules and playing Mm -hmm. by like how it's supposed to go and all this stuff, which by the way, I mean, you know, I've been one of those people to say, let's make sure, you know, everything is above board, it's integrity. I I have an audit background. I'm, I'm, I'm always erring on the side of making sure that you are behaving ethically and morally in fact, and appearance, which is a law standard. Mm-hmm. But this time, I mean, we're in a different situation now in the world. Right. And, you know, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And I think he should have, he could say what he wants to say and, and not worry about it and just keep it trucking. And let's get some, you know what? We should get rid of that filibuster for this uh, Voting Rights Act bill. I mean, they don't even have to put it aside for everything, just for this thing, this one thing, and get but they, it done. But they didn't. Can they? Just... No, we need Harry Reid. We need Harry Reid back. God rest his soul. I wish he mm. were uh, the Senate Majority Leader instead of freaking Charles Schumer. I have, I have a question though. Like in in terms of getting rid of the filibuster, I don't even know if they can do that now because right. they have Cinema and Mansion. I think they need at least a majority. They do. Yes. 
And that's a well, problem, too. I know. Well, I'm just saying they can't do I mean, but you're saying we need Harry Reid, but Harry Reid didn't make shit happen because without the numbers. Well, and they don't have the numbers. So no matter what you say, you, you can say Schumer. Like, look, I'm not a Schumer fan, but it's it's not on him. It's like it, the fact that the whole party allowed these two nitwits. It to is on him because, you know what? If, he, if, if Schumer puts it aside for this one thing, then it's going to have to come to a vote. And then they're going to have to be, they're going to have to decide if they're going to put in a no vote on an actual vote. They can talk yeah. and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk until the cows come home. When it comes down to their legacy and the history of how they voted and they have to put a vote, yes or no, are they actually going to put, maybe, but we don't know. That's a, that's a very big different thing. So then why don't they do it? Actually say why no don't they do it? I mean, it's a simple thing. For Manchin to actually vote no against a voter's rights bill. Mm. Why don't they do it? Because the, I don't know why. Because he's a stupid ass. I th I wish they would do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I don't know who it's on, but it's like I don't. Then does that make Schumer just as bad as Mansion? I mean, if he's not doing the things that everybody wants to see I happen, I think so. I mean, not as no. I, I mean, that bad. it's not as bad as Mansion. Why? I to, mean, if he's letting a bad kid, if you I see mean, a parent letting a bad kid burn up the house or whatever, and they don't give him an ass whooping, exactly. then why? Harry then how, who's bad, it. the kid or the parent? Harry it's like. Did it. Harry did it. He did it for, and you know what? He did it for uh, judges, so that Obama could get his judges through. He changed. He didn't change it on everything. He just changed it on some very impactful things. And he was gangster. You know what? They got shit done. And you know what? Nobody even remembers it. Mm -hmm. Nobody even remembers yeah. that Harry Reid did this. I remember. I remember when it can't. They're they're talking about his moves. But people to the don't Congress. talk about it. Yeah, I know. And, and Democrats are so damn scared of like, oh my god, you know, we can't we can't change the rules for this unimportant legislation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's frustrating. Yeah. This is the core base of our democracy: representative government by each one person, one vote. It's crazy. I think I think I would have liked. I think personally, like I have no problem whether Biden announces his candidate, you know, his nominee for the the, the court. Right. But I I think I lean more towards you, Ron, where it's like that would have been so gangster if he'd have just not said anything. No, it's more gangster. His. No, he no, no, it's it, not. Look, can it. I finish? I didn't cut you off. Can I finish, or are we gonna listen to you speech? <laughs> I'm saying it would have been more gangster to me. Hmm. If you would have just said, I said what I said during the campaign and dropped the mic. Just here's my nominee. I said what I said during the campaign and dropped the mic. Because he's going to catch the flack anyways. What do you Whether, mean? I'm saying. I don't understand the I'm point. I'm saying yeah. that instead of going through this big campaign about, oh, I'm going to nominate this black woman, whatever. It's like, that's cool. I have no problems with him saying that. But if you would have just came out and made his announcement, this is my nominee for the court, and just dropped the mic and walk off. Because without I pre, like, well, like without pre-announcing that he was going anything, to... just come out on some you arbitrary mean the campaign. No, 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 no. no. It means oh, now. now. All the hello, McFly. <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about all the controversy now. Well, that's We're... basically what he's done. No, he's been signaling. I'm just saying that everybody's wringing their hands, whatever. I, I would just... other people. He's basically said, "I said my pro I said what I was gonna do, and I'm." But J so JD, let me make sure I understand right. You're saying, if instead of saying he was going to nominate a black woman, if he just came out, nominated a black woman, like out of the you know, 
I think I think way back when he said it, we don't even know when he said it. You know, Yolanda was searching and struggling to find out was it during a press conference? Was it during a, a rally? Was it when was it? Because COVID was going on. I can't remember. I thought it might have been an interview or something. I don't know. But I think that uh, another thing that Democrats fail at is influencing the media. Like, like I think uh, I think. Well, I, I don't know. It goes both ways. It cuts both ways. So I think mm -hmm. if Trump wanted to do something, he might have got like uh, we know the people on Fox News would have followed his dictates about how they wanted this information released or what questions they wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, but I don't think that the the MSNBCs or CNNs would do the same. Give Biden the same courtesy. They try to say, "Oh, we're unbiased. We're going so they'll be trying to dig, and everybody wants to scoop. But you know, and I know that Biden personally hasn't said anything. Mm -hmm. You know, but I wish it wasn't even an issue. I wish that it would just happen. Like, you know, everybody's speculating. Like, I almost wish the the the, the judge wouldn't even said he's retiring. Like, like, or well, you know, I mean, that's gonna happen. I know, I know, but I'm I'm just, gonna, just saying, I'm just saying that his nominee the same day. No, no, I understand. Never mind, never mind. I just think it'd be dope for him to come out. This is my nominee. Drop the mic and walk off. I said what I said during the thing, whatever. I hate all this con consternation and ring of hands or whatever that the news media goes through about this. And like you say, yo, yeah, I haven't heard Biden speak on it. If I was him, I wouldn't even speak on it. I'd be like, next question, whatever. You know, it's he like, hasn't really. I know, I know. I mean, he hasn't. But I mean, it, it takes, for me, the dramatic, the, 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 the drama of it would have been dope. But I mean, we just can't in this day and age because well, that's not something you're going to see from a president. That's irresponsible. A president's not going to. Why is it irresponsible? Because he's, 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 so he's he has the answer to the people. He is. What's irresponsible but you don't about it? Just say something. No president does that. That's inappropriate. What? Just What's inappropriate? inappropriate? What's inappropriate? What is it? Just what come is and inappropriate? Make some declaration and then walk off and not answer questions. They answer to the people. They are supposed I'm saying, to answer questions. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm just saying, I, I like, like, I wish, I, I feel like we're in, with, with well, we all know we're in this gotcha moment. Everybody wants to beat everybody to the press, get the top story before everybody else. Mm -hmm. It's like, it kind of spoils the drama of him or, or the, the presentation of him announcing his nominee. But even mm -hmm. if he had done what you described, that's not going to be something that's going to stem all the chatter in the media. I know, I know. That. So what's but, the difference? With, with because I, I don't want to have to live six months through it beforehand. It's like, I'd rather just wait and let it happen instead of everybody, oh, who's he going to pick? What's it do? What's it do? And everybody all pontificating saying all their dumb ish that they're going to eventually say anyways. It's like, why do I got to live through six months of it? not said anything at all until he decided. No, he I'm not, said, no, I'm not saying that because I'm sure somebody, well, I mean, maybe, so maybe. You're saying like Justice Breyer retires. Biden says nothing until he's ready to come out and say, "I'm nominating so and so," and then leaves. Basically, well, that would have been cool for me. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need to see niggas giving speeches. We, we heard what you said before. Mean what you say, say what you mean, and, and show me by actions and just do your shit. I don't, I don't want a whole bunch of planning and ring, hand wringing and, and six months of build up to who he thinks he's going to pick. What are we getting for Christmas? What's in the present? What's in the box? Nick, just let it happen. Well, Schumer did say it was going to be quick, so they need to get, they need to get about it. Well, let it, yeah. they, well, uh, presumably they are. <laughs> presumably they are. Biden needs to stay who it is. Why? <laughs> I mean, he should say what he says so when he Schumer says it, and that's it. All right, so here's a question. I read that they're able... Lindsey Graham, who is the Republican lead of the Judiciary Committee, said 
and he he no longer holds uh, control of that committee because Democrats have the tiebreaker. But he used to. He used to be the lead of the Judiciary Committee where it starts off when Trump was in. I read that he said mm-hmm. that Biden can get this nominee through and confirmed without one Republican vote, period. So they should just be done with it. They should just be done with it. Mm-hmm. Justice Kavanaugh got 50 votes. What's her face? Amy Coney Bailey, whatever the hell her name, step for, you know, handmaiden right. tail lady. <laughs> got, I think 52. They should mm-hmm. just say who it is and confirm it and be done with it. They don't need any Republicans. Can she be confirmed with 50? Yes. Oh, because, because Kamala, Kamala yeah, breaks tiebreaker, yeah. right? Uh, so here's Pence a got Kavanaugh through. Pence, here's a mm-hmm. tiebreaker. Right. Here's a question: If Trump's nominee was a black woman, but a conservative one, how would you have felt? I wouldn't want that. No. Why not? I'm not down for a conservative. If Biden uh, nominates a conservative black woman, I do not want that person on the court. Hmm. So it's more than the fact that she's black. She's, it's it's more than just the fact that she's black, basically. I mean, he's not going to do that. But no, I know. But I, I was just been saying, like, you're very passionate about the fact that this is a black woman versus. Right. Well, you know. I'm passionate about. Well, we're not looking for a Clarita that. Thomas. We don't want, you know. Yeah. Like. I mean, I'm passionate about it being a black woman, but I don't want just any old black woman, which is right. what they're trying to say yeah. is the case. Oh, they just want any old woman. She doesn't even have to be qualified. <laughs> like, like, I don't even understand why that's an argument. But yeah, yeah, make out of that. But it's a nitwit. It's a nitwit right. argument. It's like d- these women have already been have gone through the ringer. They've already been scrutinized, and everybody, pretty much all the people in the Senate now, have voted on her. Have com- confirmed these people, these candidates. So it's like, what are we talking about? Okay, so I did a little tiny bit of research ahead of our mm-hmm. interesting things. So there was a Washington Post article Mm -hmm. February 2nd about a black woman judge passed over twice by Democrats. And the reports saying that whoever ends up being chosen, she will owe a still unpaid debt to Constance Baker Motley. Constance is a black woman. She was born in 1921 and was the first black woman to argue at the Supreme Court and the first to serve as a federal judge. Democratic presidents twice considered and twice rejected her for a seat on a federal appeals court. She um, graduated from NYU and Columbia Law School and a Wall Street firm offered her a job interview based on her stellar academic record. Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't even meet with her when she showed up for the appointment and she was black. Hmm. So she ended up working for the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. She argued in front of the Supreme Court on mm-hmm. multiple occasions. She won nine out of the 10 cases she argued there. Wow. She also drafted briefs for Brown versus Board of Education. And in 1965, Lyndon B. Johnson had intended to nominate her to take Marshall's seat on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit when he resigned to go do another job. But then Senator Robert F. Kennedy 
pressed Johnson to pick a white man over her for the appellate court. Kennedy called Attorney General Nicholas Katzenbach in July 1965 to complain that naming Motley would be too risky from a political and public relations viewpoint. Another reason I love the fact that Joe said I'm naming a black woman and now that he has the opportunity, he has said I am keeping my promise and I'm naming a black woman. Katzenbach summarized the call in memo to Johnson. So Yolanda goes on to briefly describe basically how this woman had been wronged for, uh, throughout the course of her career um, by Johnson and by even some of the officials in uh, President Carter's administration so that basically she never got her nomination to the Supreme Court, even though she was extremely qualified to do so. Uh, she actually did reject being called a feminist and disagreed that female judges brought special insight to the bench. She died in 2005 at 84. Yeah. Interesting that she was uh, rejected by Democrats to federal appointments. And uh, yeah, she obviously had great qualifications to win nine of 10 cases. The fact, again, the fact that she actually argued 10 cases in front of the Supreme Court is very noticeable and very notable. And the fact that she won nine, I think, speaks for itself. And Volumes. this is a woman who faced what we're talking about right now, people not wanting her to be appointed to federal appointments because she was black and mm -hmm. for no other good reason, because clearly she was qualified. And even the Bar Association wouldn't give her the highly qualified designation, which is ridiculous. Because it sounds like she probably argued her cases very successfully right. in New York. So, you know, it's the same. This is another, I, I didn't know this before I looked it up, but having read it, it is the exact aggravation and fire inside me about the current controversy and why I'm like, fuck everybody. I don't give a goddamn about, oh, he shouldn't have said he shouldn't have said it. He should have just done it. Well, what's, if, if that was his intent, why can't the man say it and didn't mm. do what he says he's going to do? What's the problem with it? The problem is because it's a black woman. Mm. If he had said woman, we, you know, there would be some chatter, but it wouldn't be like it is right now. Right. And again, if that was his, he had a lot of intent. Should he not have said what he was going to do with the economy? Should he just kept it a secret? And mm -hmm. just when he got to be president, then he did what, you know, what he was thinking in his brain about what he should do with the economy. How about COVID? Should he have thought, oh, I know what I'm planning on doing about, you know, vaccinations and rollout and getting, but I'm not going to say it. Mm. I'm just going to do it when it, no, fuck all that. I'm tired of it. Mm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, part of me was surprised when I heard that, or if Kennedy did that, but I also realized given that was a different time. And so I could see even him making a political move like that. To I mean, what's it? I mean, it was the 60s. <laughs> Here's the thing. Guess what? He could have nominated her and it could have gotten voted down. Mm -hmm. Like, just don't nominate her. Like, why? Give her a well chance. Well, it's not like they nominated a white person. It's not like it was a presidential election. Oh my God, if we 
if this is our nominee, we'll lose the presidency. It, well, you're not going to lose anything. It was a nomination to the bench. If it went, yeah. if it got voted down, you can nominate somebody else. Right. Well, I'll- that's happened plenty of times. Hmm. This is why I have zero patience for this issue at right. all. No, I've come to your side. I think in terms of him saying it and saying, fuck it, I said it, live with it. I mean, I do think in general, Democrats need to be more like that. Like Republicans just don't give a shit. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what they need to do. They yeah. need to be gangster with it be done. Just be like, this. we're not, we're not playing this game. That, yeah. I, I do think like your mic drop. We're done. We're not playing yeah. this. We're I just want to see that moment. I want that type of. I want that type of heat. I want that type of. Yeah. Gumption. That's cute. That's cute. Okay. Yeah. Done. Done. We're done Let's with do this it. part. As you might imagine, being the black female in this trio of creators, this episode stirs some passions in me. Owing to other factors in our collaboration unrelated to that, we decided that I'd do the editing for this one. However, as it was when Ron and I, along with contributions from JD, embarked upon and journeyed through our other podcast subseries called Breaking the Glass, which covered the challenges of race and gender in Hollywood, and of which I personally edited a couple of episodes as well, I've come out the other side of this one having experienced a profound personal impact in the doing. Not only have I learned some things in general, some of the history of the court and court appointments, some of the history of black female federal judges, I've also learned some things about myself. In learning about others who have a shared heritage and a shared experience, I've ended up with a more rich and a deeper understanding of precisely who I am. This recording and production of this episode also coincided partly in coincidence given the timing of Justice Breyer's retirement and partly by design with Black History Month. It so happened that I've been posting a series of individual historical profiles on my Instagram. You can find them there at Yolanda T. Cochran. I specifically chose to focus on black females because so very often, for a host of reasons, our excellence and contributions, regrettably, are virtually invisible to our society. Over the course of the postings, I've experienced various emotions, among them anger and sadness, but also immense pride and renewed resolve. I can't reconcile how it is that these women, their enormous and notable accomplishments and their stories are completely unknown to American society in general. And this is a time where not a small number of individuals are working hard to ensure, sometimes even by legal mandate, relevance to this appointment, that we never know it. The term white supremacy is incendiary. When I hear it, I must admit it creates a visceral reaction even in me, a black person. In hearing it, I tend to chafe. We Americans have such a deep and complicated relationship with race and racism and our shared past with it. There are deep wounds there, and we're collectively unwilling to face it. But spending time with these posts and this episode this month, the term white supremacy kept coming clear to my mind. So I looked it up. Merriam-Webster defines it as such. One, the belief that the white race is inherently superior to other races and that white people should have control over people of other races. 
Two, the social, economic, and political systems that collectively enable white people to maintain power over people of other races. I submit that for consideration in thinking about what it is that is so problematic. President Biden expressly and publicly declaring that he would nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. Black women have been the backbone of American society since its inception. We've raised children, other people's and our own. We've kept homes, other people's and our own. We've lifted up other individuals, contributed mightily to the culture of this America in all aspects, led and supported without credit social justice movements, made major contributions to science and technology. We've been the most reliant voting demographic and get out the vote efforts. I could go on and on with countless other things. None of this is directly relevant to the nomination and appointment of a Supreme Court justice, but I say it to say this. Of course, we have qualified black female federal judges. We don't need the validation of others to verify that fact. Thankfully, we black women get daily practice at learning and knowing that we need only to determine our own self-worth, but we do live in the society with others. I, Yolanda T. Cochran, reject that the measure of qualification for this appointment starts and ends with a side-by-side -side comparison to white men and that Biden needed to create such a comparison to legitimize it. Person, I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. It's long overdue in my view. I made that commitment during the campaign for president, and I will keep that commitment. The Dungeons and Durants podcast is a production of Blade Runner Media and Bonnie and Clyde Productions and is part of the Ebony Covering Black America podcast network. This episode was written, produced, and edited by Yolanda Cochran with help from Ron Dawson. I put my mind to it, then I got my pen and put my grind to it. Never easy, it was hard from the get-go. Start my obstacles, Jazzy been through it. Music used in the show was licensed from Artlist as well as Creative Commons songs from freemusicarchive.org. All the television, film, and YouTube clips are copyrighted to their respective parties and used under fair use. Check out the show notes for information on copyright holders and our policy on fair use. Now, we have no budget for a fact checker on the show, so take all the stuff you hear in this podcast with a grain of salt. We always do our best to get the facts right, but this show is mainly about entertainment and sharing our personal opinions. We ain't the New York Times, and Wikipedia and Google can only take you so far. So we encourage you to, you know, like read books and shit, watch a documentary or two, listen to other podcasts, which do have fact checking budgets, but expand your knowledge. If you like the show, do all the podcasty things, you know, rate, review, share with your friends and family. Let us know what you think of the show. Shoot us an email at podcast at dungeonsandurags.com. 
You can even leave us a voicemail message on our website at dungeonsanddurags.com slash podcast. If you leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, not only will you spread peace, love, and harmony throughout the multiverse, but we just may read your comments on the show. So this journey I chose to do on my own, but man, what a hell of a choice. I put my feet to the pavement to make some noise. I gotta- you can follow me on Twitter at Ron Dawson and on Instagram at Blurred Runner. I write about race, religion, creative arts, and business on Medium at rondawson.medium.com. You can follow JD on Twitter at that JD Cochran and Yolanda is rat in a wheel with all the words separated by underscores. Be sure to check out the series of black women luminaries from history that she's been sharing on her Instagram at Yolanda T. Cochran. Yolanda T. Cochran. Wow. Now, wouldn't that make a great Twitter handle? Just saying. That's it for now. Stay safe out there. And remember, having white privilege is not bad. Denying it is. And in the absence of biblical certainty, choose love. Until next time. That's lit.